Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It is Monday, February 26, 2024. This is another off-season edition of Football Today. You know that guy, Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose. Producer Mikey is here as well. It is NFL Scouting Combine Week. We will break that down in just a little bit. I wish I could pack you in my overnight bag and put you in the overhead compartment and take you with me to Indianapolis. I think you would really have fun. I, th- I think Mikey might be able to fit in there. I don't, I don't think I would quite fit. <laughs> Where do we, do we have to put you with the precious cargo underneath? I'll ride with the dogs. I'm a dog, you know. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dog. I, I could do that. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right, so we're going to get to that and some news out of Indianapolis in just a second. But let's start with you know we focused a lot on quarterbacks. Why don't we talk about receivers at the beginning of this show? Uh, reports are getting louder this offseason that Justin Jefferson is available via trade. Let's remember he is entering the final year of his rookie contract, and he has been arguably the best receiver in the league over the last few seasons. Do you think that, A, a deal happens, and if so, the Minnesota Vikings will regret a trade if they do indeed deal him? I don't I don't think there's any shot. I, I know Charlie Walters of the Pioneer Press wrote about it. I went and looked at his Twitter. He hasn't tweeted since April 2022. That's a decent fault. Like, he's a legit writer. Right. I mean, not, Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL, and trading him for a pick of a, hey, this maybe this guy turns into something, to me would be incredibly dumb. Even even if we look back at five years and be like, man, they could have gotten Drake May who turns to the stud. In the moment, to me, it would be bad process to do something like that. He's going to be the top paid wide receiver in the NFL. That's that. It's just a question of how much guaranteed money can he get out of this contract. Okay, so since our last show, we know that the salary cap has increased by $30 million from last season to this season, which means that the guys who are about to get contracts are going to be saying, well, hold on, that pie got bigger. My piece of the pie should get bigger. Would you be okay if you paid the best receiver in the NFL? I'm just going to throw out a number here. Five for 150. Five for, so that'd be 30, yeah. uh, mil, 30 mil a year? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to look up what the what the top ones are right now. For Justin Jefferson, yes, right? To me, it's not even about the average annual value. It's about how much guaranteed money does get. I mean, Tyreek Hill is getting 30 mil per year. Devontae Adams, 28. And, you know, any guy like AJ, like we'll talk about AJ Brown, right? He's going to probably, if he was to get his contract tomorrow, he would set the record, even though he's not the best wide receiver in the NFL. You know, he would just be up. Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's young. He's produced... Uh, you know, at an unbelievable rate. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would be fine with that at all. To me, this all comes down to the guaranteed, where Tyreek Hill got $72 million out of a $120 million total contract. Can he get, like, 75% of it guaranteed? I think that's what the holdup would be in this. Okay, so I love Justin. He's one of my favorite players, and I had the good fortune of calling the Vikings-Bengals game. So we had a production meeting where we had a chance to meet him, and I was even more blown away. He walked into the room. He is a superstar. When I tell you, he walked in head to toe. He's got the whole thing. He had the jet on the side of his sweatpants. He had the shades. 
but he is much more than just the flash. There is so much substance there. The, when he opened his mouth and we heard him talk about how hard it was for him to miss several games this year. And, you know, like, I still believe, even though we're down to our fourth starting quarterback this year, like, I still believe in this whole thing. I was like, my God, like, I would say pay him whatever you want. There's no question. But here's where I'm a little off track as opposed to you. The the wide receiver class this year that's coming out is exceptional. You're going to get guys drafted in the fourth round, I do believe, that could be possibly starters very soon for a lot of teams. That's how deep this class is. And to me, the difference between the elite guys and then the next guys in line are not nearly as wide a gap as there is between the elite quarterbacks and then certain other guys that you have to go with. If the Vikings can get another pick and move up from 11 and get their quarterback of the future, man, I think you have to think long and hard about it. So are you saying for Caleb Williams or Drake May? I don't think going all the way up to one or two. I think you could get from 11 to three. Like we saw what it took last year for Carolina to get from nine to one. So you're talking about jumping eight spots which is the same here, but I don't think there's as much a premium as getting the number one guy where you can have here at number three, you're guaranteed Caleb, who's not going to be there, Drake May, who may or may not be there, or Jaden Daniels. You are guaranteed to get your guy of the future. Now, whether or not you believe in them 100%, that's a different argument. I'll listen to all day. But if you really believe in all three of those guys, I think you would have to seriously consider a Jefferson trade and then a monumental leap from 11 to 3. I just couldn't. I'm not going to trade the best. At, he's the best at his craft yes, in the he NFL. Is. He makes life easier for a quarterback. If, you know, if, and you know what? If they're that desperate for a quarterback, they should just keep Kirk Cousins. How about, you know, how about. You can't do that, though. But at 35 years old, you're still, you're kicking the problem down the road. Wouldn't you agree? Sure, but I'm just I, I'm not tra- I'm not trading for I'm not trading a proven best at his craft for something that might be, you know, might but, might might be a really good quarterback. And we see every year with these quarterbacks, as much as like I I love Caleb Williams and Drake May, and I need to watch a little more Jaden. I, I I also like you know these guys flame out too. Like of course they do at an alarming rate. I mean, look at the 2021 class where you. At five of the top 15 picks as quarterbacks, four of those five guys could be on new teams by next year, not even through their rookie deal. So I understand what you're saying, but who is the best receiver on the Super Bowl champions this year? Rasheed Rice. Good player. He's an ascending player. I would say player. Travis Kelsey. Di- different, though. Different position, right? Wouldn't we agree? Right, different but, my, but uh, you know, if you go back – to Tampa, I mean, they had Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. You know, I... They also had Tom Brady. Agreed. Like, again, quarterback is obviously the most important thing, but I'm not trading for Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. I'm trading for what I could hope be that, right? And if you're really lucky, you get Justin Herbert. Um, if, you know, you go by averages, you get, you know, middle-of-the-road quarterback. Is there a higher percentage of elite receivers or elite quarterbacks in this league? Obviously, elite receivers. Like, it's I'm not to find uh, those guys. I, I'm not. Hey, five years from now, we could say, "Hey, Bobby, you, you wish you would have done that." I, I admit that that could be the case. I'm not saying it's crazy, but to me, it would be bad process to trade away 
the proven best in the NFL versus a, a hopeful. I'm not saying that I'm running to the phones and saying, yeah, let's go, let's go do this. But I can see a process there why it would make sense. The only way it makes sense is if you are full bore, willing to make a, a huge trade, move from 11 to 3, guarantee yourself one of those three guys if you love all three of them. Because once again, you're not the first guy in the ice cream store to go pick your favorite flavor. So it, I'm not, I'm, I do it kind of like this. I'm not 100% sure. Boy, that's going to be fascinating stuff. All right, Rose, quiet down for a little bit. We got the JM football combine coming up. Who are you most excited to see fail? You got Pennick, you got Joe's, uh, you got uh, Jack. Who, who are you? What, are we, what do you mean, fail? Why can't we be positive about this whole thing? Well, someone's got to fit. Someone's got to finish last. You know, this is this is real life, Chris Rose. We someone's got to finish last. Who do you? Who's your prediction to finish last in this NFL? This NFL John Boy Combine. Well, you tell me. Has Pennick been training for this thing or not? I think Justin might end up taking last, anyways, even if he is training. You'll Justin had a fame. Justin had the famous head bob run a couple That's years true. ago, so I'm excited to see how his running form has changed. Well, you'll have to tune in for yourself. That's right. It's the JM Combine getting going this week. All right. Well, speaking of receivers, A.J. Brown called into the whip in Philly to clarify some reports that have been out there. Number one, he is happy in the city of Philadelphia. He wants to make that very clear. Number two, there is no problem between his longtime friend, Jalen Hurts, and himself. He said he didn't go into specifics about what they talk about, but he said, don't worry. There's no problems there. And then number three, he reacted to the Eagles' late-season collapse. Okay, now Brown has three years left on his four-year $100 million extension with the Eagles. Do you think he's going to make it all the way through? Is this relationship going to work? All the way through is tough, but he it's I think it's going to work for the right now. I mean, he's averaging 500 more yards per season with the Eagles than he was with the Titans, and that's with a legit wide receiver in Devontae Smith opposite of him who gets plenty of production too. You know, he's been fifth and fourth in receiving yards. I mean, I, I get the frustration that was had. I mean, that, that collapse of the Eagles is honestly one like I, – I, is there anything like in recent memory where we saw a team that was that good and just kind of collapsed like that? You know, I think of teams like maybe the Brett Favre Jets, but even then they didn't have the pedigree of making the Super Bowl the year before and being mm -hmm. dominant on the, on their way there and being oh so close to it. I think there was frustration. I think Nick Sirianni, for as much as he can, you know, rile guys up, that some of the childishness can bleed out into the team and and you know guys acting out. You know, you end up having to fire, you know, both your coordinators. Uh, I, th I think the, I think the Philly's going to get it back on track this year, and winning will heal any issues that they have. Because I, I actually really like Jalen Hurts too. I I don't look at last year and blame Jalen Hurts for that collapse really very much at all. I I've always loved AJ Brown. I love the way he plays. Like yeah, I'm okay with a guy who's going to go a little ballistic on the sidelines. Like none of that shit matters to me it just, just don't doesn't. throw your teammates under the bus publicly is basically or, or behind the scenes don't be you right. know un undermining your coaches and and your players but frustration and stuff i mean that's that's that happens do you think that he's 
throwing guys under the bus publicly? No, no. That's what I'm saying is that's oh, what yeah, I'm fine yeah, with. It. With unless I've missed it, like that's why I don't have. I don't look at this as anything that's super alarming. It's just kind of normal wide receiver behavior. It's, yeah. Again, my my thing is, you can be an asshole. You can be hard to work with as long as you know you are working for the greater good and not undermining the leadership on the team. I, you can throw as many fits on the sideline as you want if you're producing. I which agree. Hundred percent. Yeah, he does. He produces. I mean, he had six straight games where he had at least 125 yards, which I believe was an NFL record. Now he did kind of disappear. And, um, but he, I thought he made a really good point and we heard it from Devonte Smith during the year when I think they were like eight and one or nine and one, he said, yeah, we've only got one loss, but we are not playing good football. I think they knew the stink that was there inside the locker room. They, they were like, okay, fortunately our record is excellent. We have not been excellent. So the whole year kind of felt a little bit like a mirage that they got off to that amazing start through the first almost three months of the year. And then. So maybe the collapse that we saw shouldn't have been as surprising as it was. Yeah, I mean, I remember us talking about it when they were winning those games. We're like, man, they it's, we're like, are they just like testing new things out because they feel like they're so good? And then obviously, right. obviously, the collapse ended up happening. But I, I think the coaching changes that they've made will will truly help. I I, I think Philly's going to be right near the top. Like, I think Philly's closer to Dallas than Dallas is. You know, like like if if we went NFC power rankings right now. Mm-hmm. San Fran would still have to be number one. Yep. I think I'm putting Philly number two. Like I, I think they're gonna figure figure it out. They have they still have a ton of talent and young talent. Ahead of Detroit? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would. Woo! I think they've got a better quarterback. I think they've and I think they just have better talent across the board, too. Okay. Interesting. Uh let's move from the NFC East to the AFC West. Uh two of those teams have pretty good quarterbacks in Kansas City and with the Chargers, I do believe. The other two are sitting there scratching their heads. So who are you more interested in seeing what's going to go on under center this offseason? Is it with the Denver Broncos or the Las Vegas Raiders? I think it's the Broncos, right? Like, let, let's see it, Sean Payton. You know, you talked a lot of trash, which I'm I'm fine with. Squeezed out some wins with last year's bad roster. I think he mismanaged the way he handled Russell Wilson in the sense that, you know, threatening to bench him if he didn't take pay cuts while they were on a, on a winning streak and just beat the Chiefs for the first time in – you know, three decades. Uh, but I still think he's a good offensive mind. So I, I want to see what he does with a guy that he trusts to operate an offense the way he wants. Where the Raiders, I'm just kind of bored. Like, Antonio Pierce, I love him. Luke Getzky, Luke Getzky, the OC, I don't. Right. I know. It feels like that one could go as much as, like, he's a rah-rah guy and dudes believe in him and they're smoking stogies and having fun. Like... I, and I want to see him do well, too. I like Antonio. Um, I like that he's grinded a bit since his playing days to get to where he is. Like, I love all that. Yeah, the offense, who knows? That could be a a mess. So, Denver, here we go. You're going you're gonna to pay Russell Wilson $39 million to go quarterback somewhere else this year. Even with a post-June 1st designation, I want to thank The Athletic for helping us out with all this information. The Broncos would have a Wilson figure of roughly 35 mil on the books in 2024 and almost 50 million again in 2025. Now they can divide that up differently based on the increased salary uh, cap structure that we just got last week. But the point is they're going to be paying him an awful lot of money. So where do they go from here? Can he go get a guy like Baker Mayfield? I'm not so sure he can without moving a ton of pieces, which they could via trade or some other stuff. Where does that leave you in the free agent market? Are we talking about a Gardner Minshew? Are we talking about a Sam Darnold? 
Are we talking about reuniting Sean Payton with Jameis Winston? Or are we talking about being okay with J.J. McCarthy if he's there at 12 in the draft or or a Bo Nix or somebody like that? It's, you know, for, for a guy, Sean Payton, who has talked about, I need a fast processor. I need a dude that can get it done. Well, has he ever developed a quarterback? He lucked into Drew Brees. We have to remember that. He, Miami wouldn't pass Drew Brees on the physical down there. There was one spot he could have gone. It was New Orleans, and it ended up being one of the great quarterback coaching marriages in the history of this league. It was perfect because you put took Sean Payton's brain and you put it with Drew Brees, and that's what you got for a decade and a half was magic. But has he ever found a quarterback? Find one. That's your job. Don't get frustrated that there aren't enough guys that can process. Go do it. It feels like they are destined for J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix. And the question to me is, they might have to trade up if they want McCarthy. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, would they be willing to take Bo Nix at 12? Or maybe they trade down and try and get him. But it just feels like they're destined for one of those two. Because they got to have more of a quarterback answer than Jameis Winston, who you know Sean Payton likes a lot. Like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't bring Sean Payton in here. I don't think for some three, four year rebuild. And as much as I think it hurts teams in the long run, that clock is going to be sped up. And he wants his quarterback now. He doesn't want like a coach doesn't even if even if it ends up being the smart decision, does not want to wait another year. Well, I'll get my quarterback next year. Like that, that makes it tough, and especially for a coach like Sean Payton. I mean, I'm serious when I say that. Two of the great coaches that we have seen, well, one, the greatest coach ever, and now one of the better ones we've seen over the last couple decades in Sean Payton, they lucked into their quarterbacks. They did. Between Brady and Breeze, nobody can convince me otherwise. Yeah, I, I well, I'm trying to think of, I guess Andy Reid went up and got Mahomes. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Chiefs did. I, I never hold like, having a great quarterback against a coach and then you see like you know like oh well they did this when like you you need a good quarterback to consistently compete in the NFL uh you know so maybe maybe if they didn't get Drew Brees they would have gotten someone a year or two down the road but you can't deny how good those Saints offenses were for a long right. time even when Brees lost his arm they were able to stay really efficient yes, you know they were. And they were either the number one or number two seed in that last year Drew Brees ended up losing to you know, Brady and the Bucks mm -hmm. on their way to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, if there was no, I don't think there's ever been a scarier offense than, you know, those early 2010 Saints offenses, which Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham, when they were really humming, you know, mm -hmm. I, they didn't get a Super Bowl out of that portion of, of the team. But I remember as a Giants fan, when they were playing the 49ers, and, you know, the 49ers pull off that win. I, I had a sigh of relief because I was like, I, I did not want – I was afraid of the New Orleans Saints. I did not think we could beat the Saints. I did think we could beat the 49ers and ended up happening. But you would agree that there's a bit of pressure on Sean Payton to go find the guy. I mean, Which is why I think they're destined for either McCarthy or Knicks or, or, or Penix. Like, I think they're going to end up with one. It's just which route do they go? Do they trade up for McCarthy? Do they take Bo Nix at 12? Do they dare do that? Do they, you know, trade up out of, you know – the second round or something like it's going to be, that's why I'm more fascinated with them because there's no really rock solid answer for them. But by you the way, but you feel that they have that pressure to go get one. You remember when, uh, when Harbaugh first got introduced as the chargers coach, do you remember what he, he said about JJ McCarthy? I mean, he couldn't say nicer things about him. He was like, 
He's the best quarterback in the draft, I'm telling you. Like, he's the best one. You don't think he was throwing that out there so that one of those AFC West teams goes and gets him because he knows he's limited in certain areas, do you? I wouldn't put it past past Harbaugh, but I do think he just (laughs) genuinely loves J.J. McCarthy. All right, let's move on. It is Combine Week. It gets started Thursday on NFL Network exclusively in Indianapolis. Um, So we've gotten some interesting quarterback news. First of all, uh, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels will not participate. They will be there, but they are not going to throw. They're going to save it apparently for their pro days. I mean, Caleb Williams probably makes sense since he's the consensus number one. Does it surprise you a little bit that Jaden Daniels, who's kind of neck and neck, it sounds like with Drake May for that second quarterback spot, is not going to throw? No, I think the throwing portion of the combine is probably the most useful. Like, if there's any position group where their on-field workouts outside of just testing numbers is the most useless is just quarterbacks throwing on air, right? You don't have to work on timing. You know, your footwork is, you know, it's going to be clean because you're working on it. Like, you can obviously hurt yourself if you just miss like crazy. But I, not really. Most, most of these QBs aren't going to do that, right? They're at the top of the game for the reason. So the combine to me for quarterbacks is all about interviews and measurements. And, you know, there's we, we have actual film of these guys making throws. And it's not swaying anyone's, uh, swaying anyone's beliefs on a guy. I do say this. I think it is, it's fun for us as fans. Like, we love it um, because we get to see, you know, Bo Nix go right before Michael Penix. And so you can kind of compare a little bit, right? Very rarely do we get to see guys go back to back uh, who are, who might be competing for spots in the NFL. So for us, that's fun. Um, You get to see how much juice a guy's got in person, which I always think is enjoyable, but I understand it. That's fine. Perhaps the bigger news is that Marvin Harrison Jr., the number one receiver, according to most draft pundits, is going to be in Indianapolis. He's going to talk to teams, but he has not been preparing for either all of the workouts here in Indy or for a pro day. He has been in Columbus working with the Buckeyes strength and conditioning coach on becoming a better football player, strictly. So we're not talking about doing a cone drill. We're not talking about running a gauntlet for the receivers and doing everything that he would do to get ready not only for the drills in Indianapolis, but then later for a pro day in Columbus. He's not doing any of that, reportedly. Is that kind of a head-scratcher? I love it. I I think more top – like, we need the mid-round guys. They need to put testing numbers up. I think – I love this for the top guys who are bona fide studs. Get better at football because what happens is these guys, they – they work, work, work for the combine, all that stuff, and then they get burnt out, and it's like, okay, how do I get back in the football training and, you know, rookie o- rookie minicamp and OTAs? It's like they get burnt out. You know, you remember the COVID year when we had all those guys opt out? Think about all the guys who opted out who just hit the ground running as stars. Mm-hmm. Micah Parsons, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater, um, you know, Jamar Chase. Those guys spent the year just working at football, getting better at football instead of, you know, working at – you know, cone drills and, and working on, you know, f- you know, beating Georgia or beating Michigan and game planning, just focusing on their craft. And every single one of those guys hit the ground running. Like, if you're a college football fan, you don't want that. But I, I actually think if guys just like, you know what, I'm going to take the year off, I'm going to get better at my craft would help them. Maybe that's just random and those guys would have been studs hitting the ground running. But I, I love this for Marvin Harrison Jr. Work on football, get better at football, Put together an off-season habit of how you're going to do it and and don't waste your time doing stuff that's not going to affect you in the long run anyways. 
And by the way, whether Harrison is the first receiver or the third receiver taken, because Roma Dunze of uh, of Washington, uh, Malik Neighbors of of LSU are all right there, and doesn't matter whether he's going to be the first, second, or third receiver. He's going to end up in a really interesting spot, and he's going to be a stud regardless. Um, yeah, I I have I think it's fascinating. I think it really is that he's not going to even have a. But at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson never ran a forty. Right, I remember that that was the buzz in 2018 when we were there, and like, oh, he's not even going to run a 40. And then people were like, why the hell does he need to run a 40? We all know how fast Lamar Jackson is. Go ask all the guys that couldn't chase him down this year. I hope this starts to trend with the top guys. I I really do, because they spend so much time training for like the 40 yard dash and the three and cone drill, right? Like getting every single part of your technique. I mean, they spend a lot of time, and I get it because it. That's important for you. But for the guys that don't necessarily need that stock bump, and like you said, we know Lamar Jackson's fast, let them work at football and football movements and not, you know, three-cone drill and stuff. Um, so, so yeah, I, I hope it starts a trend with, with top guys. One of the more fascinating things that I get to see at the Combine. So, let's say here, uh, Thursday, we've got the defensive linemen and the linebackers going day one. So Thursday night after we're off the air, we'll be walking back, and usually it's through the Indiana Convention Center on the way back to our hotels. You will see the guys who are working out the next day on these elongated hallways running 40-yard dashes with their sprint coaches. Like these guys have been flown in specifically by these agencies to work with guys, and they are out there at 9 o'clock at night running 40-yard sprints on the carpet in the Indianapolis Convention Center. It is hilarious, man. Which is like, which is, is very funny, but it's like, man, like, how how is that helping you become a, a better football player running on these, you know, carpeted hallways in Indianapolis? So, um, I, but I, I really do love it from Marvin Harrison Jr. I hope it starts with Trent. I think he's, you know, I think he's the best player in the draft. Watching him is just... It, it's unreal to watch him play football, and I think he's. I think he's going to be challenging Jeff Justin Jefferson for the best wide receiver in the NFL in a year or two. Wow. Okay. Big words. Um, you mean Justin Jefferson, who's about to get traded by the Vikings? Right? Yeah. Maybe they'll be. Maybe they'll end up being you know teammates. <laughs> uh, competition committee. Uh, they say they're in alignment on eliminating the hip drop tackle. Probably the biggest example of that in a negative fashion we saw last year was Mark Andrews getting dragged down by Logan Wilson. It wasn't illegal. wasn't anything that Wilson did wrong. He's trying to tackle a guy who's 25 pounds heavier. And so he's using his weight. Um, anyway, that's on the table and it sounds like that's going to be outlawed. I don't know exactly how we're going to outlaw that, but we'll talk about it. And then what to do on the kickoff last year, there were only 22% of kickoffs returned. Uh, that's too low a number. However, the whole idea behind it was, to lower the percentage of concussions, which they did there, so they were happy about that. But they are talking about a possible XFL happy medium where the coverage guys start on the other side of the field five yards away from the return guys, and that's where we start blocking. What do you think of those two rules, you know, some sort of adjustment in time for next season? I hate both of them with a passion. The kickoff one's pretty clear. The opening kickoff, like kickoff time is at, like, Let's not take that away. Like, and the XFL thing, it, it, I get it for the XFL, but it looks goofy. 
You you made your bed by you know changing all these rules, lying it now NFL. And then I, it's this is a tired old take, but it's true. How are guys supposed to tackle in the NFL? Like we just keep eliminating it. This year I, I lost my mind every single Saturday when uh, even from the offense side, this guy, this running back got fined for just running mm-hmm. and yeah. and running into a guy. Uh, I, it drives me nuts, and I wish the NFL Players Union was stronger where they could fight some of this stuff. This is one that's going to be really, really difficult. Um, when that news first came out, once again, I was doing the Vikings-Bengals game, and so we interviewed both uh, defensive coordinators, Lou Anarumo of the Bengals and Brian Flores of the Vikings, and we brought it up to them. And they were like, we said, how are you going to teach your guys to tackle if that is outlawed? And they looked at us and they go, do you have any suggestions? <laughs> because we really don't. Like, we're going to, are we going to tell them to just let, let them go and try and have the next guy wrap them up around the waist? Like, it, it, he goes, it's simple physics. If you are a defensive back and you weigh 218 pounds and you are covering Mark Andrews, who weighs probably 255. How are you supposed to bring him down by yourself other than use all of your weight to do it? Like, we understand the head and neck. We understand the importance. So we keep working to other parts of the body. That was a freak thing that happened with Logan Wilson. That was not a dirty play. It was a freak injury that sucked because Mark Andrews was taken out for several weeks. But, man, it's it's a little football-ish. I don't know how we're going to outlaw that. You can't outlaw injuries. Like and, and I feel like the NFL feels like they can outlaw and like that's not going to happen. You're just, you know. So what what's going to happen with this is that there's not going to be any of these penalties in the game for these type of tackles, besides the preseason, and they're just going to find guys and take their money afterwards. That's what's going to happen. Gonna and the players' one. union is not going to do anything about it. That's what's going to end up happening. Every Saturday, we're like, this player got fined five thousand three hundred thirty-two dollars and twenty-seven cents for a, a hip drop tackle on Kenny Pickett. Well, don't don't say that. You're going to send Steelers fans into convulsions that Kenny Pickett is playing. Be careful. Hey, only quarter, only top drafted quarterback to throw in the last five years of the combine, Kenny Pickett. Oh, the only guy who came off the board first. Yeah, got it. Okay. Oh, good knowledge. Good nugget on that one. I had that. I had that ready to roll. All right, we are uh, back at it again later in the week when I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about the Combine and having more fun. We'll see if um, there's more player movement, more guys getting tagged. T. Higgins has been officially tagged by the Cincinnati Bengals for between 21 and $22 million bucks. It's good, good work if you can find it. For producer Mikey and Bobby Skinner from the Talking Giants world, I am Chris Rose. Thanks very much for tuning in to football today. Hey, everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.